Hello and welcome to a very special edition of Tub Talk, the podcast for IT consultants. In this episode, we're going to be talking about how to do awesome live streams and virtual events. So we thought, why not live stream the interview? I'm Richard Tubb at home in the studio garage here in Newcastle upon Tyne. And if you're joining us live, say hello in the chat. Let us know where in the world you are joining us today. If you're joining us live on YouTube, subscribe and hit the bell to make sure you're the first to know about any new videos in the future. But let's get down to business. Today, I am joined by two experts in the field of live streaming. First of all, we've got Ben Harding, director of Fresh Productions, the go-to events company for the tech industry who provide everything you need in one place. 23-year-old Ben, the entrepreneur, he's married to the beautiful Karis, and congratulations in order because Ben and Karis have a beautiful baby boy on the way. Ben, thanks for joining us and congratulations. Thank you. Also joining us today is somebody who is no doubt very familiar to longtime listeners of Tub Talk. Philip Morgan is a tech entrepreneur with a 30-year track record of business success. He's been recognized by CRN as one of the top 100 most influential people in the UK technology sector and by PCR Magazine as one of the top 50 executives in the UK. Mostly though, I know him as my friend and the most enthusiastic man on the planet. <laughs> Phil, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. I hardly recognise the person you were describing there. <laughs> <laughs> thank you both so much uh, for joining me. Really appreciate it. Let's, let's jump straight in if we can. The world has changed, hasn't it, with COVID-19. Um, the MSP conference industry, uh, Phil, I would say that you and I, would normally at this moment be preparing to go off to events. We'd be jumping on planes and right. trains and automobiles to get out there. Um, but it's come to a halt. It's, it's changed, you know, sort of virtually overnight, really. Phil, if I get to you, first of all, what do you think the new normal is going to look like for in-person events once we pass this phase? Yeah, that, look, that's a really good question. And as a person that's uh, for the last 10 years been hosting, you know, in excess of 60 events a year, really, if you consider, if I wear my church hat, we, uh, we host an event every Sunday. One thing is for certain, Richard, um, events are never going to be the same again. Mm. And uh, the reason I think they're never going to be the same again is uh, everybody right now is pivoting very, very quickly in order to take their businesses or organization forward to virtual events. I think if we get one more invite to a virtual event, I just got a freak, right? So everyone's, because obviously they, you know, they want to take their business forward. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to get the benefit of doing those virtual events. Uh, they're going to get the benefit of the reduced travel, the, the, the efficiency of it all. And even, look, I'm just saying it, uh, Rick, if you, like me, have sat in some of those painful keynotes um, and we are in the meeting at the event, we have we can't get up and leave, right? Because <laughs> we may be sat in the third or fourth row and we can't go out. Well, a virtual event gives people this luxury. They can just like log off or mute and just walk away. And that's what makes the virtual uh, environment so difficult uh, to succeed in. Um, so what does it look like? Well, I'll actually 
probably hand this ball across to Ben, uh, who's way better at uh, putting uh, or answering this question than me, in all honesty, uh, because I think, thanks to my relationship with Ben, and we've used him at several uh, events in the past, um, I think the future is hybrid, and it's a word that Ben has come up with, which is hybrid events. Yeah, right. Yeah, I I agree with uh, what you're saying there um, and the way that the events industry is going to go. Um, but when we get back to normal, we can see events going from the physical and the virtual, but they're going to be crossing over. And these events then will be working together. So you'll have the online audience and you'll have the real audience um, in, in the physical venue. Um, and they'll be working kind of together to, to create more leads and get extra reach and to, to push it globally. Yeah, I'm going to say something maybe a little bit controversial here, Phil. Uh, and Ben. Now, Ben, I know this, you know, pre-COVID, this is your industry. Uh, live events are brilliant. I'm a very gregarious person. I love getting out there and spending time with people. I'd had, I'd got a bit of event fatigue before COVID-19 hit. You know, yeah. there were so many events, so many things going on. I was planes, trains all the time. Phil, I know you were, were very similar as well. But so few of, especially the tech industry's events, were live streamed. So you either had to go there to, to see people and to see the uh, presentations, or you missed out. Right. So do you think post-COVID that the hybrid event thing is going to be something that, uh, that MSP vendors and IT event organisers are going to say, okay, we need to do this? Definitely. And I'll tell you why. Okay. So the reason, you know, if you you know that, um, you know, I'm probably like I'm more of a social futurist than I am a technologist of trying to look at what's coming up. Fundamentally for me, the reason I come to that conclusion is because of the challenge with social distancing until we can get a vaccine. And tell me, Rick, how do you socially distance on a plane? With so, great difficulty. Yeah. Right. So it's the travel and the restrictions on travel that's going to make attending physical events. Because, look, uh, I'd love to know what your Air Miles account looks like, Rick. <laughs> you spend more time in the air than I think you do on the ground, okay? And all of us know, particularly those, uh, the audience from MSP World uh, and the community that you serve, all of us have spent time and time jumping on a plane or on a train, you, you know, going to Datocon in Paris or going to, you know, IT Glues conference in California, wherever all of us have been jumping on planes and they still need to be able to take their businesses forward. The MSPs still want to capture the latest technology that they can implement in their business. So it's, it's a case of there's no choice but to go hybrid in order to allow a wider reach of audience. So, so maybe people in London might be able to go and attend a fe an event of maybe 50 or 100. But everybody else like me in deepest, darkest West Wales, I'm going to have to do it virtually, which yeah. is why I agree with Ben's hybrid comment. <clears throat> and Ben, I want to talk to you. So Fresh Productions, you've really made a splash, you know, hosting some of the tech industry's uh, big events. You were a big part of Continuum Navigate and uh, many other events. Do you see in-person events returning to popularity post-COVID? I think it'll take a long time to recover to, to how we used to know it. Um, so it could be like you're looking at a year, I think, at the moment, um, until we can get back to meeting in groups again, because we, we fall into that category of, of mass gatherings. Um, but when we do get back to it, um, I, I see the popularity, yeah, it's going to be the same because there's that 
um, person on person connection that you can't really have. Um, so you can't go to the bar and have a drink with who you want to speak to. Um, and those opportunities, you can't really do that online. Um, but what, but what, going back to what Phil was saying with going hybrid, um, and you being fatigued from loads of different events, it gives you the flexibility then to choose which ones you want to be at in the real life. Um, and you could still attend those events then online by going through the virtual lobbies and virtual conference rooms and exhibitions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm actually looking forward to, you know, the idea that this is going to force almost force, I don't know if force is the right word, but compel the tech industry to level up a little bit here right. and to start offering events, uh, you know, virtual events as well, because as Ben says, Phil, it's not just a case of at the moment we can't attend events. It's just not possible, but pretty soon, real soon, there's going to be events running again. You and I both know that's going to be the case. Right. Some of us are not going to want to. And then some of us, in the case of me, you know, fatigued maybe of events, we're going to choose not to uh, to be involved. So right. how quickly do you think the tech industry is going to adapt to this new normal of hybrid events? I think it's going to respond very, very quickly. In fact, I think every industry is going to respond very, very quickly. Okay. Um, this is the ultimate stress test. I believe, Rick. Uh, what I mean when I say that, we, we use this term for the banking industry. And let's talk about the cataclysmic change that took place in banking in 08 or 09 that resulted in today the majority of small business owners and big business um, companies and corporations accessing finance in a different way. It gave birth to crowdfunding. It gave uh, birth to so many other ways, venture capital and private equity. They took off because they stepped into a gap that traditional uh, banking left. And the same thing is going to happen here again. So there are going to be people that will uh, take the pressure that they're under right now and will pivot and they will uh, take advantage of the situation. They will be first to put together, you know, see what's happened already. You and I have had so many invites to virtual events. Um, but, the you know, virtualizing every aspect of it and, and specifically the the piece that interests me in why we lean into fresh productions uh, in, in, in the aspects of businesses that I'm involved in um, is the fact that uh, it's not just the seminar and webinar piece. It's not just the expo piece, uh, but also the networking piece that can be delivered on a virtual expo or a virtual event platform, the likes of which fresh productions can provide. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about what a good live event uh, looks like. But before we do, if you are, if you've just joined us for this very special live edition of Tub Talk, then I'm joined today by Ben Harding, the friend, Fresh, Fresh Productions and tech entrepreneur, Phil Morgan. Just to let you know, you can ask your questions of Ben and Phil via the comments. Just leave a comment for us. I'll be sharing your toughest questions with both of them very, very shortly. So get those oh no. uh, comments uh, coming in. Ben, I'm going to turn to you, though, uh, next. You're the expert in this area. What does a good virtual event look like? Phil's touched on some of the uh, elements of it, but for you, what does a virtual, a good virtual event look like? Yeah. Um, just like any event, really, it, all events need really good planning and careful planning um, down to the goals that you need to set and the budget, the team that you need. Um, so all of that still needs to happen in a virtual event. But with, with it being online, you need to 
increase your engagement. So you need to keep your attendees more engaged than you would at a real event. Um, and it needs to be user-friendly. Um, so easy to work through the different rooms in inside the virtual lobbies and exhibition halls. So it needs to be the easiest it can be. Um, and on any kind of device as well, desktop or, or mobile. Um, but one of the main things that you need is it needs to be measurable. So you need to, co to collect that data um, from where people are going and what they're doing, what they're listening to. So then you can, you can use that to create a buyer persona and then um, market accordingly to that then afterwards. Yeah. Phil, I'm going to turn to you. You've got experience in the MSP world. You've got experience in the vendor world. I'm thinking of hybrid events and Ben's already touched upon it's got to be measurable. So we, you know, vendors are going to want to see a return on this investment and we'll perhaps talk about cost in a little bit, investment costs. Um, I'm thinking one of the things that vendors get a great kick out of when they go to live events is they have a booth, they have flyers, they have a PC or a Mac that they can demonstrate their product on. How can you replicate that for hybrid events? How can you replicate that? And, and before you answer, I just want to give an example. I spoke to a vendor just this week, and I won't share who it is, but they said they were doing a, a live event with, sorry, a hybrid event with uh, booths. And they said it was a nightmare because they could see a little number for their virtual booth with like 22 people queuing to have a conversation with them. <laughs> and there's got, there's got to be a better way. Phil, what would that better way look like? Okay, so maybe uh, once again, I'm going to uh, pivot uh, to Ben in a moment and, and have him, uh, you, you know, kind of maybe talk about some of the huge investments that Fresh have made in order to uh, create a platform that works for that. Uh, but primarily, okay, let me put my MSP hat on for a minute. And let me also put my vendor hat on. Okay. At the end of the day, we are all, um, as both MSPs and vendors, wanting to provide solutions to end users. So the people that have got their staff on furlough right now, from, you know, double glazing companies through to um, manufacturing companies, car dealerships, etc., we serve collectively from with our cybersecurity solutions or our SaaS solutions and all of what we provide as vendors or MSPs that we are the trusted advisor providing those platforms to those end users, right? So for us to be successful, we've got to be successful together. So as a vendor, I have got to serve the MSP. And as an MSP, he serves the end user customer, right? If he doesn't serve the customer, the customer's dead. But in our industry, there's been far, a, a far, uh, you know, a famine, if I could call it, of a lack of delivering outstanding customer experiences. And so what is going to create the opportunity online when we go to hybrid events is the removal of all the frustration with a platform that creates a platform that's easy to use. Because, uh, Rick, you know, uh, you and I have used Zoom on a few occasions uh, to do a video conference, right? Like, tell me, how easy is Zoom to use? <laughs> it's, it's not particularly, is it? You know, your first time that you use Zoom, you go, where do I click? There's this, that, and the other. And now most of us, including my like 86-year-old mother-in-law, can use Zoom. And that's because we've had to pivot. Now, a first-time experience of a hybrid event, if you cannot create that experience in an Apple way, 
that simple, that people can click on things that they know, that I can see your face instead of an avatar. Okay, so if you're at a networking event that I can actually see, oh, look, there's Rick over there. And I walk across to Rick and I just double tap on your shoulder and a little chat box comes up and the chat box comes up and says, say hi to Rick. And I say, hey, Rick, how are you doing? And then you're on the other end of that virtual experience. Yours comes up and you say, hey, I'm busy at the moment in a conversation. Can I catch you in 10? Yeah, sure. Right. But we're all doing this from the comfort of our own home or office or wherever we are. So the experience to make this successful for every party involved, it's the customer experience while they're in the event, hybrid or physical, is the key. Ben? Yeah. Actually, Ben, I want to I jump in and ask you something here, if we can just add to what Phil has said, because for me, it feels like we don't just want to replicate the, the, the old experience, the in-person experience to the virtual environment. We want to enhance it because we've got all of this cool tech at our disposal. Now, I know you've done so many cool things that we could probably spend the entire of this conversation talking about. But give us some examples of where you can see virtual experiences being a better experience than in person. Yeah, so there's there's a few things that are already inside the platform. Um, so like, for example, the swag bag. Um, so... Once you go around the exhibition hall, you in 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 the physical event, you you collect these brochures, leaflets, and all the freebies and that kind of thing. Um, but no one likes carrying them around, no. um, so you can actually add them into your virtual swag bag, and all of those documents you can just send them straight to your inbox. Um, so you can just add and remove anything that you want, and and send that straight as a PDF to to your inbox. Um, but also getting straight to the products and services um, with one click. When you're, when you're at an exhibition and you're, you're talking about a certain service or product, you can't just pause game a second and let's go and have a read about that. Um, but with virtual events, you can do that already. So you can link it all, all to the, the booth and the vendor's websites. Um, so it'll all link straight away and you can choose which pages you want to send that to. Um, and the attendee then can just click on whatever they like and purchase straight on the platform as well. Yeah. And, and Phil, you're a, you're a technologist, you're a, a futurist, dare I say here. So I'm already, uh, you know, dare I say, getting ahead of myself and thinking there's some very cool stuff. What about things such as language translations? What about things such as CRN integ integration? Ben, I can see you shake, uh, sort of nodding your head already. Is this something we've already got before I get to Phil and ask about the future? It is. Okay, tell me more about this. I've got to know more. <laughs> yeah, so w when you're doing an event online, it's not just English language that you need. Yeah. You're, you're actually broadcasting to millions of people across the world. Um, so you need that global integration with different languages. Um, so you can, you can change different languages within the platform and you can set the, the avatars to, to whatever language you like on there. Um, so it's a multilingual service. Um, and yeah, with CRMs as well, it, it already links with HubSpot and um, Salesforce and, uh, and other CRMs. Uh, and that's where another way you can collect that data and and keep it straight away into your CRM. Yeah. And it feels to me like when we've been at live events, in-person events, there's never been a really good way of um, uh, making that connection, the networking uh, piece there. I know we've tried horrible QR codes. We've tried scanning. You know, you've been zapped by people. None of it feels natural. Phil, can you 
how could we improve that networking experience and sort of take the the online world into the in-person experience with the new hybrid approach? Yeah, so I mean that's the the challenge is uh, we are wanting to give people privacy, but at the same time, all of us, you know, want the intelligence, right? So here we are on this podcast here. Um, how will you measure the success of this podcast, Rick? You're going to measure it with the comments that you have back on feedback or whether people, you know, loved the podcast and thought it was great or them saying to you, for goodness sake, please don't have that Welsh bloke back on again, right? <laughs> so you're going to have feedback, but as well as that, you're going to have the downloads from your uh, uh, podcast provider. You're going to listen to the, the engagement of, you know, how many people listened in, etc. And you're grabbing that intelligence and how are you grabbing it you're grabbing it digitally and so what happens as events go hybrid we're going to have more intelligence because when I log on to a virtual event people will be able to see which booth I went to and all of this intelligence you know on the fresh platform it's absolutely breathtaking I mean myself okay I don't think it should I, I don't, you know, for, for myself, if I, for a minute, wear my network group hat on, and if I was back in Dave Tulip's chair as the MD of network group today, I would be going to vendors with this as being the most incredible lead generation engine in the world because you've got all that intelligence and data. So as an attendee, we're going to have to give up elements of our privacy as lots of us have had to do in so many different ways. In fact, with COVID, we might end up having to have like a green card app on our phones maybe in the fullness of time and there's some privacy things that we're going to give away. It's just the reality of where the world is at this moment in time. But uh, all I know is it's, it's exciting and it's going to sort, you know, kind of men from boys in terms of the companies that can uh, go forward, see this and bring the change that's needed in the industry. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And Ben, I'm going to turn to you. You know, something uh, Phil's just said, it's going to sort of the men from the boys. We have been deluged with, you know, invites to virtual conferences and webinars and everything. And it just seems to be coming thick and fast. That's not to say that, and I'm being as kind as I can here, that all of those events have been very good. Um, I see a lot of people trying to do live streaming, uh, but failing pretty much because of the technical requirements. So if we can get techie for a minute, Ben, what does a good live video setup look like? Yeah, I think part of that problem is how hard it is to order equipment at the moment. Um, so because of COVID as well, it's really hard to get your hands on like capture cards, cameras and audio equipment that you, you need to, to, to step it up a little bit. But to make a really good live video now or any kind of video, um, you don't really need that much um, equipment. So, for example, today um, I'm on my AirPods, um, which has given me the audio and is also taking my audio from the microphone. Um, and I'm actually just on my MacBook Pro here and it's just using the, the webcam at the front. Um, and then Phil, he's he's got his headset on. Um, so that's just a a Jabra headset that he uses in the office for Zoom calls and, and that kind of thing. And and then you've got the the posh side of the spectrum. Uh, <laughs> you you actually have a, a Yeti microphone in your studio um, and and some sort of webcam as well. I don't know what webcam you're using there. Yeah. Um, but there's a there's a real variety of equipment that um, can be used to make a good quality stream. Um, 
But to send it out is really what you need is a good wired internet connection. And it's got to be wired, not Wi-Fi, just because it's more stable and you're not going to get any of the lag or the dropout. Um, you also need some sort of high quality webcam um, and then some good audio devices. Um, so AirPods are fine. Um, and then an another thing then would be the lighting. So if you're uh, set up with a window behind you, that's not going to be very good for the camera. Um, so it's just looking at different ways of using what you've got in the best way. But if you really wanted to step it up um, and add some graphics, some lower thirds and customize it more to your brand, um, that, that's quite easily done. Um, but then what it does take is a high spec PC or laptop to run that um, because of the processing that it takes when you're adding all these different layers onto your, onto your stream. Um, so what we've um, actually done now, we're, we're utilizing our, our studio and we're doing remote streaming. So this stream right now is actually happening um, from a different place of uh, the country, uh, from one of our remote studios. And uh, the studio manager, Dennis, is in the background actually making all of this work, um, which is really cool. So we're, we're using just basic equipment that we have in our home offices um, and then sending that to a, a studio where they got the, the proper kit then to, to send that out to the world. Yeah. And I can't underestimate the absolute value that somebody like a Dennis and having a team like Fresh Productions bring to it. So I've got to share this anecdote before we came on air. So you've both been very kind about the studio garage that I've got here in Newcastle upon Tyne. Um, some of you on the uh, questions are asking about the equipment that got there. Uh, happy to share all of that, but I'm just going to say this. I've got this wonderful blue Yeti microphone, which cost a, a pretty penny. I've recorded probably 75 episodes of Tub Talk with the greatest minds in the IT industry. And just before we came on air, Dennis said, you've got the microphone turned the wrong way around, Richard. <laughs> and he pointed out to me after 75 episodes of Tub Talk, I've got the microphone turned the wrong way around. That right there, people, is worth the price of admission alone. So thank you, <laughs> thank you, Dennis, for making this all of this happen. If you are watching us live, a reminded to ask your toughest questions of Ben and Phil. I'll be sharing those questions with them uh, very, very shortly. I can see them coming through. Um, ben, I'm going to turn to you again, just before we jump to the live questions. The benefits of a good live stream conversation compared to a pre recorded one you know what's the what's the benefit in both of those cases really yeah so i'll touch on both of them um with with a live stream like we're getting now is when you want to do the q a you can have that real time engagement with your your followers or your fans or um the, the viewers that are watching so you get that real time engagement um which which kind of makes everyone feel that they're in the same room um, so when those questions are coming in and you directly answer that question, um, it makes you feel good because you're actually speaking to someone and it makes them feel good because they're getting listened to as well. So th that's one of the main benefits of um, doing a real live one. But if you were to do a simulive, which is a pre-recorded video, um, and then you put it out as a live stream so you can't um, scrub along and skip to different parts of the video, um, the benefits of that is you can you can cut out like different mistakes that you've made or um, add lower thirds in on there so you can have your titles come up at the bottom of the screen. Um, but also if you're not like confident in front of the camera, th this is a great way to kind of get used to it and 
keep speaking into the lens and then afterwards you can do all the post-production and just edit and make it really really stream like and get it out live that way yeah cool phil i'm gonna to turn to you so one, one of the questions that i think is going to be on some people's minds is how do you get the confidence to just go in front of camera because i've seen a shift in the world obviously everybody is doing zoom calls remote calls every single day now and i'm still speaking to some people who are really uncomfortable switching their webcam on for these type of calls you're a natural at this sort of stuff how do you how does one acquire um the confidence you know to be uh, comfortable in front of the camera yeah so can i cover two things on this um one of the things i've observed is um the virtual and the physical are clearly two different um, experiences for the uh, user, but as well as that, they are different for the presenter. I mean, let me ask you before I answer the question in full, Rick. Um, when you did your first kind of live stream, I remember uh, you doing one, I think it was with Mentori. Was that the first one you did That's with Fiona Chalice? Fiona Chalice and the team at Mentori, yeah. Okay, so explain to me, what did it feel like for you doing that as a presenter in front of all the cameras and all the lights and the, hang on a second, three, two, one, go, right? You know, how, how, what was that experience like for you compared to a typical industry event that you've spoken on a thousand times before? That's a good question. I think it's a surreal experience the very first time that you do it because you're not getting any feedback initially. Then, of course, you've got to uh, juggle that with if you can see the um, the live comments coming in, as I can now, <laughs> that can be distracting, you know? So if you've been a presenter and you're getting the, the live comments coming back in, it's a very, very weird thing. But in terms of standing up there in front of a, a camera and recording it, I much prefer having an audience than to just speaking into the abyss. <laughs> right. And I think that's the shift change. So how can we improve on that? So for everybody, and I've got people like Brian Fanzo and Chris Marr to thank for this. Uh, you, like myself, attended the CMA uh, live conference that was in Scotland for many a year. And uh, Brian Fanzo says, you know, just hit the damn button, doesn't he? He says, just get out there and do it. Um, and uh, for me, three, four years ago, I think that's where I kind of started. My first Facebook Live was just a total fail, uh, internet connection going. But it's a case of you've got to push yourself to use a muscle that you've never used before. And then once you do it, you, you just get used to it. So what I'm encouraging people, I think step one is start doing more video. So where you've got the opportunity to do a call with someone, so say your MSP audience that's listening in today. Well, if you've got an opportunity to do a call with a customer, why not say to the customer, hey, join me on a Zoom call? Because they'll be used to Zoom because there is... You know, this is now a common platform as Zoom have gone from 10 million customers in December to over 200 million, uh, 200 million in February, right? So get used to using this muscle. And probably the biggest one would be an, uh, a confession here, and I'm giving away a top tip here, uh, but most people that have had a birthday greeting from me in the last uh, year, I've had one via video. Wherever I am in the morning, I grab my where uh, I grab my phone. I walk out to the garden and I record a quick one-minute personal video to send someone. And that embarrassment is limited to what 
just me and a personal message to you, but I get better every time I do it. And so it's using that muscle and stretching it. Uh, so that's the first part that I would say. And the second part, and I, I'd be curious to hear your views on this as well, is just because someone's a great MC in the physical does not mean that they will be a great MC in the virtual. So I think there will be new roles for things like, uh, you know, podcast hosts or virtual event hosts that would help facilitate conversations like this. I think that's a new role that we're going to see. The people that are going to win in those spaces are not necessarily the people that are really cool on stage. So what we've seen that shift happen in the music industry where you know, you've got people that are just putting music out on YouTube and doing their own channel, then finally getting recording deals rather than going the other way. So we're going to see that shift happen without question. So if there's vendors that are listening, make sure if you're hiring or recruiting someone and swinging to Ben, he's got a list of people like yourself, Richard, that's experienced in doing this kind of thing. I think it's really important in order to give your customers at an event a good experience that you use a professional professional, virtual enabled or hybrid enabled presenter that is used to doing it because the experience is totally different to just doing something on stage and just handing somebody a mic. Yeah, absolutely agree. Because we've all seen, um, you know, really bad panel sessions, for instance, where yeah. the, the moderator has just asked each of the panelists, and what do you think? And what do you think? And it's like, oh, you're tearing your hair out. So it, right. definitely, there definitely is a skill there. To your point, Phil, about, you know, getting comfortable about doing the videos, I just want to say I couldn't agree more with the idea of just recording videos for friends and family and getting comfortable with it from from that perspective it really does and i i learned this off um uh, the leader of the tech tribe uh, nigel moore every okay. member of the tech tribe who joins nigel records a bonjoro uh, video for them every single one so he's done 800 plus at the moment and i've spoke to him some days and he's just been a machine just you know recording one after the other the interesting thing is though when he started doing that nigel shared with me he was deeply uncomfortable doing video 800 videos later it's second nature to him to to just do it and he's got you know much much uh, better along the way at uh, doing it as well and, also, and richard the yeah. irony of it the irony of it now that you're mentioning him he's one of the people this week i think later that i sent a birthday message to and i'm halfway through reading his book uh was it package price profit i can't remember which way the three p's go um but yeah if any msps that's the book I figure, right, I've been around a bit and I know a load. I was amazed. I'll post on Facebook the message uh, for total transparency, the message that I sent out. The message I sent him was I was approaching that book with a fair amount of cynicism, thinking, do you know what? I'm going to know most of this stuff. I was amazed at, you know, the content that I took away from that book. So, yeah, uh, great to hear you talk about Nigel Moore and the effect he's had on your life. Yeah, incredible bloke, incredible bloke. And there's also been um, here on Tub Talk as well, one of our top rated yes. episodes. So, uh, right, we've reached that point. So, Ben, Phil, if I can put you on the spot, how about we answer some of these live audience questions that have been coming in? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's. We've got loads of questions about um, from Steve, from Kim, from Ben about uh, software and equipment. I'll get to those shortly. I'll let let me pick out something a little bit a little bit uh, tasty here. Right, Chris 
on Facebook says, what's the best way to network at a virtual event? It's easy in face-to-face, but how can you do it easily in virtual? Ben, I'm going to turn to you, and then Phil, I'll turn to you as the, the futurist here, what you would like to see us doing. But Ben, what's possible right now in terms of networking for attendees? Yeah, sure. So inside the platform already, there's a general chat session. Um, so you can just go into that and you can see who's um, at the event and just ping them a message to, to chat with them. You can also chat with booth reps. Um, so at, at a booth, when you're visiting them, the, the, the reps for the booth will be there and they're also on live chat. So there's networking with booths there. And the, the third place then is the networking lounge. Um, so this is a different room outside of the exhibition room and the auditorium where you can actually just go to and see who's in the room, chill out and just have networking conversations with people that are in the room. Um, but within that room as well, you can set like um, an agenda for the day of which experts could be in the room at that time. Um, so then you can book meetings then with different experts in, at the event um, and chat directly with them. Got it. Phil, in the future, what would you like networking to look like at virtual events? Um, so there's some really good stuff that's on your website about networking, Rick. And one of the things I remember reading an article uh, from you on it um, with stuff around social media, right? LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera. What you've always talked about and taught me is uh, just treat it like you would regular networking, right? Just go up to people, introduce yourself, etc. You, you know, and I remember uh, one that I pinched off of you, um, which is, you know, you've seen somebody who you know that maybe, you know, they're an industry kind of leader or you've listened to them on a podcast or whatever it is. Um, just go up to them and say, hey, you know, so for example, Lee Wood uh, of Node IT in Bedford, you know, that you would go up, hey, Lee, you know, because I know that was a really good podcast that you did with, uh, with him. Uh, just say, hey, listen to the podcast of you on Richard Turb, and I just try to say, yeah, it just came past to say, thanks, I got a lot of value off that. You can do that in a chat. And then it leads to just a conversation, you know, can we connect on LinkedIn? And, and you're just broadening your, your horizons. But I think specifically as when it comes to a hybrid event, I think even though it's going to go hybrid, there's lots of things that are going to stay the same in my view, Rick. So, for example, um, we will, most of us be consuming content at a hybrid event from our desk or from what I call big picture, our screen and our monitors. But we will still have our mobile phones for all the stuff. So, like I would be normally. So, I would be listening to a presenter on stage who says a comment, and you and I are big on Twitter, and I tweet out you know, a comment or a picture or a screenshot of what's going on on stage, that's going to happen too. So people are going to take a screenshot of maybe where they are in the office, punch a picture of it and say, hey, I'm listening to this really cool thing. In fact, if you're watching this online now, can I encourage you to network? If you're watching it on any of the platforms with Rick, can you just take a picture of it and shove it out on your social media and just say, I'm listening to this right now, okay? And watch the world come to you. Watch people engage with you and say, hey, what was that? And, and turn to you. So be a leader and networking in exactly the same way as you would network in person at a hybrid event or in whatever platform that you're using. I love that. And for the benefit of people with flash photography, we've got a pose now, for a, like a five-second pose for the, uh, for the people <laughs> at home. Come on, I want you to make a, make a pose for me, smile, wave to the camera. 
<laughs> I can't wait to see those those pictures on Twitter afterwards, oh, and to see what people do with um, actually uh, uh, altering those pictures as well. That should be cool. yeah, that should be fun. <laughs> right for those of you watching live, uh, just to remind you, this episode is also being recorded for my Tub Talk podcast. You you can subscribe via your favourite podcast app. There's new episodes every Sunday evening. Plus every Monday we publish a blog post to Tub Blog with bonus features including links and the show notes. So anything that Ben, Phil, myself have mentioned, books, people, solutions, tools, we'll include those in the show notes. You can go to the blog on Monday morning and get those. Gentlemen, uh, back to the questions, if I may. Got some really good questions. Keep those questions coming in for Ben and Phil. Your toughest questions uh, here. Here's one. This is a really good question from Kate, actually. I didn't know uh, the answer to this either until very recently. Ben, you've mentioned lower thirds a lot. What are lower thirds? So lower thirds is what you can see uh, just above there with our name tags. Um, so it's just um, a, a video kind of production thing that they call them a lower third. Um, I don't know the reason why, but that's what they're called. <laughs> <laughs> Not just me. That's a good question, Kate. Feel free. Uh, we have a, a habit, don't we, Phil, within the tech industry especially, we assume that everybody knows the acronyms and the technology that we're talking about, MSP, right. not member of Scottish Parliament, it's managed service provider <laughs> and all those things. So I think it's really important, actually, you know, to Kate's point here, to, to, to not assume that people uh, uh, know because lots of people actually don't and I was one of them. So thanks for that question there, Kate. We've got uh, lots of questions around the equipment. So Steve asks, Ben, what software and equipment are you using right now and he says that piece of equipment in the background looks really expensive. <laughs> what is that in the background that we can see for the benefit of the live audience? Um, so this is uh, one of our digital um, audio mixers. Um, so we're, we're recording quite a lot of um, content in, in this studio right now um, over the last few weeks. And so this is just one of the, the audio mixers that we got. Um, but equipment right now that we're using on this, on this stream, um, I, I slightly touched on it earlier, um, we're just using like a basic webcam, basic audio equipment with me. Um, and then that's going over to Dennis in the studio. Um, and I'm not quite sure what, um, PC he's running there, but he, he's got a really high spec PC, um, which is encoding it, um, and then stopping any lag and making sure it's loading properly. And then that's going out to a platform called Restream. Um, which sends it out to every single different uh, channel like Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and so on. Okay, that makes sense. Here's a good question from Darren. Uh, to paraphrase his question, have we all made an effort with our backdrops? So, Phil, did you have a good tidy around, or does Cass and Morgan always look that uh, that tidy in the background? Uh, no. So, um, so... Some of you will be uh, aware that uh, my daughter, Karis, um, runs uh, her own company called Biz Engine. And um, so a big part of what they do is branding. So um, she creates everything. Uh, and I think I spoke about this before from the way I dress to everything. And, you know, she helps me with all of that. So, for example, you know, if I'm behind a white background, put on a black t-shirt etc and so yeah I get help with all of that because you know back to this conversation that we talked about earlier it's all about the customer 
the customer wants a great customer experience. So, you know, it starts with things like join us on Facebook. Well, if I'm not logged onto Facebook and I hate it, why would I go to Facebook? Everybody has their social platform of choice. And so by using Restream, that allows Fresh Productions to shove it out on every platform and people will consume the content on what platform they are happier with. So all I've got to work hard is to create an environment here. And I didn't want to do a bookcase shot because I think all of us have got fed up of watching bookcase shots, I think, with every political person or every interview that's on TV at the moment. Always there's a bookcase shot. Uh, with the greatest respect oh, to well, the well, books thanks, that are on mate. your bookcase. Well, thanks, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when it's my books in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Shameless self uh, <laughs> <laughs> Along those same uh, lines, uh, Ben, Alan asked the question about virtual backdrops for Zoom. So we've seen Zoom and we've seen companies like Marvel, DC, wow. Disney, they're producing these virtual backdrops. I think some of them look very, very cool. Others, not so much. What's your thoughts on virtual backdrops for Zoom calls? Um, I, I think when the opportunity's there and it's the, the right time to use them, I think they're brilliant to, like if you're working from your dining room and you've got all the kitchen in the background with the dirty dishes, it's much easier than just to click to click that and hide everything. So it, it, it minimizes distraction. Um, and what you don't want is when you're trying to increase the engagement online, you don't want people getting distracted with different things that they're looking at. Oh, what does that poster say? Like that kind of thing. You want them listening to you. Um, so yeah, I think, I think they're great for, for when, when they're needed, but if you can create a, a, a real background with a few plants or up lighters or um, candles, anything like that, um, I, I prefer an authentic one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got a question from Kim. It's actually, she was asking uh, me, what does the studio setup look like? The studio garage setup, I should say. So I've got, uh, uh, there's a building we've had built just outside um, uh, on a bit of land behind the house, uh, Kim. And um, just off camera, I've got my retro computer museum here. So it's a real professional setup. There's Amigas, there's Xboxes and all sorts of things. But in terms of the equipment, I've got a blue Yeti microphone and I've got it on uh, an anti-shock stand, an arm, and um, there's what's called a pop filter over the front of it, uh, and that cuts out on uh, noise. Then I've got two, uh, it's just a normal PC, um, a more high-spec PC, um, a HD um, webcam from Logitech uh, that we're using as well, and then I've got dual monitors, uh, Kim, so as well as uh, being able to, to see the conversation with Phil and Ben, I can also see the questions and things coming in on another monitor. So that's what it looks like here. But I'm really loving Ben and Phil set up there because look at the lighting and that. It's 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 brilliant, isn't it? And the plants in the background. I'm gonna fill the studio up with and, and to be clear on my setup, I'm similar to you. Um I'm actually uh so for the people that are watching online at this moment in time, I'm standing, but I'm standing at my stand down sit-up desk, right? I've got my keyboard here, I've got everything. All I've done is drop back to, uh to it and there's a table that uh Karis dropped in lunchtime, uh and then this plant appeared from nowhere. I just but this is actually my office. If I was to turn it around here, you would see all a kind of regular mess that's in uh a typical uh, office of uh, an entrepreneur. Um, and I am using a Jabra Evolve 75. Um, I've got to thank Oscar at Continuum for introducing me to this. And the reason I went for this headset, it's uh, both Bluetooth and double device. 
So I can also connect to a mobile phone at the, and connect to my PC at the same time, which is why, as Ben said earlier, I'm an advocate uh, for this device. I'm just using a typical kind of i7 Dell PC with double monitor setup, and I'm on a Logitech C920. Is it Ben that I'm using? C920, yeah, right, I think yeah. it is. Yeah, it's the same um, webcam, webcam I'm using, Phil. Yeah. yeah, it's a great, great model. Yeah, great webcam. Yeah, 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 cool. And I should uh, give an insight as well. So, uh, Phil said he's got his standing sitting desk. So, I said to him just before we went on air, um, have you got any hard stops on this when you know you want the interview to finish? He said, No, no. He said, The only difference is I'm standing, so I'll get my little legs will get tired at some point. <laughs> so, for the second 90 minute portion of our interview, <laughs> now let's turn to uh, some of the comments we've got coming in. Mike says uh, over on YouTube 100% agreed on hybrid events. We've moved all our events online and been successful, but we missed missed the social element. Um, Mike also says that he feels that monetizing will be a challenge given the difference in costs. Um, Phil, you've already touched upon this, but anything you can add to you know Mike's worry about monetizing events for vendors because um, the difference in costs. Okay, so I would say there's three things that are really important uh, here to an online event that you don't necessarily need to do with a, an in-person event, okay? So at an in-person event, someone is heavily invested. They've had to rule the time out in their diary, and they have invariably had to jump on a train and travel, get up early, etc. So they are invested financially, emotionally, physically. There's a big investment for someone, even if someone says, oh, I just do a lunch and learn. Like to get somebody to a lunch and learn event, you know, if they've made it to a lunch and learn event, at an MSP, if you want to talk to them about cybersecurity or something, like that's a huge win. I remember at Continuum, you know, people were saying, oh, I've invited in, I've only got 20 coming to a lunch and learn. I'm thinking, that's a huge result. Okay. Now, online, you don't have that luxury. So people are not bought in because like right now, you know, people can just click off. Oh, it's Phil Morgan speaking again. Adios. He's gone, right? So the three elements to make an online virtual or hybrid event work is we have got to communicate early on the pre-event piece. What's your agenda look like? Who is speaking and why? Why would they attend the event? You know, as Gavin Bell teaches us all, you know, talk about, you know, the, uh, the benefits, not the features. Talk about why, you know, you should be in the event so that you can learn, so that you can be better at doing this. You know, he says, you know, it was this phrase, so that. Why should you attend the event? I should attend so that. So learn to kind of communicate in that way with your reasons to attend. Um, deliver an awesome customer experience. And then when you've done those first two stages, what Ben talks about a lot, he says, that's the starting and not the finishing tape. Okay, now you have all of those people that attended the event. So our post-event follow-up has got to be much better both to gain feedback or how can we help you? You expressed an interest in this. So the making a good event work, either hybrid or virtual, you have to have uh, add those M elements into it. And then that's when you will see the payback on the event in terms of ROI. That's when you'll see better engagement with people subscribing in the first place. You'll also have better engagement during the event. 
And then during the event, because you're creating an outstanding engagement, the four more that your event is going to get for those that didn't, like, because people are saying, oh, you should have heard Rick Tubbs talk, or you should have seen this, etc. The four more wave that that's going to create is going to bring people to you. So they might not transact with you now, but the long tail of your transaction is going to be extended slightly. But without question, your event, if you do it well online, is going to be more profitable than an in-person event. Agreed. Ben, I'm going to turn to you with this one. So Lee uh, makes a, an observation, really, and, and it's, I've got a question to follow. So Lee said, we're also seeing um, uh, live streaming in local government. Now the law has changed to allow video conferencing, to allow for council meetings, the hybrid meetings will be inevitable. It also allows greater public engagement. Brilliant um, feedback. Really, this is, you know, live streaming is entering all areas of life. Have you seen... Uh, any uh, type of businesses where live streaming would be uh, particularly good for them and where they're making wins? Um, yeah, I think any anyone that does a, a conference over 50 people um, in, in real life or even, even less than that, they, with that global um, reach that you're going to get, it's going to grow your event. Um, so in turn, that's going to grow your business and, and what you're trying to achieve with the goals that you've set. Um, so really anyone that's holding an event with um, keynote speakers, exhibitions or trade shows, um, you could have even a job fair on there. So if you wanted to do like some sort of recruitment thing and apply for a apply for jobs like actually on the platform that's also possible um but but with those events like um a partner showcase uh, and the conference with the networking that's the real benefit um for those people yeah great um here's a question phil from from daniel um facebook daniel says do you think vr virtual reality ar augmented reality will come into play for virtual events in the future so rather than a 2d website you can have the virtual conference center virtual rooms virtual demo stands what about that and ben i'll come to you next because i can see you've got thoughts on this but (laughs) phil as as a futurist do you see you know vr and ar coming into uh to these virtual events as well we're already there um, that's what we talk about when we're doing green screen on a Zoom earlier, right? You know, so, uh, you, you know, if you're in a place that you can't position lighting and everything else that you've got, you know, just get green screen. The, the most effective thing that you can do uh, if you're in an environment for whatever reasons, right, economic or the circumstances you find yourself in, I know you can affect the lighting, okay? So I know you can park yourself by the window, but your background, there you can call me eBay and just buy a there's a, a piece of green cloth and just put it behind and then uh, just get yourself any image that you can of a beach or San Francisco bridge, just just put it behind you. So what is that? That's augmented reality, right? You, you know, we're, we're changing it. Um, and I'll swing to Ben because he can answer uh, for the whole event experience uh, and what fresh offer. I think with AR and VR coming into this kind of platform, I th- I think it's possible, definitely. Um, But we need to be faster at creating that. Um, So when you're actually creating a custom booth, uh, the quicker you can do that, then the easier it will be to get that event out um, to date. Um, So at the moment, when it's done on 2D, um, it it still takes a little while to do that. But when you're doing it in um, a 360 kind of virtual headset, uh, perspective that, that takes a lot longer. I got quite a few friends at work in 
um, virtual reality for live music events and they film in 360. Um, so they stand on the stage, they're those people with the, the 360 cameras, but then there's a massive team of them that actually stitch all of those different stems together to create what you actually see through the headset. Um, so it really comes down to time. Uh, the quicker we can actually design this and stitch it all together and uh, custom booths and all of that, then that's when it will be possible. But I don't think it's that far away. No, I agree. absolutely agreed, yeah. Phil, I'm going to turn to you this one. Um, we've got plenty of uh, MSP vendors, uh, not, not unsurprisingly, on, on the line with us today. So questions around monetization. Um, so Simon asks, any thoughts on how you model the sponsorship advertising side of things? For instance, there's no lanyards at a virtual event. How will the marketing advertising piece work within a virtual environment? And how will this change event advertising? Mm. Look, things change all the time, don't they? You know, money streams change. Like last time I checked, right, we're not selling many fax machines. Uh, we're not selling many vinyl records, definitely not new. They're coming back. And why? All of those have disappeared to give way to new technology. And in fact, lots of us or my teenage daughters are always reminding me of so many different YouTubers that are out there that are earning like six-figure salaries just by creating content and shoving it out on YouTube. So I think we're going to see a shift again. Yeah, the lanyard market is gone for anybody that's attending uh, a virtual event. But we can create other monetized sources from that okay so we can create promotions like already the lots of companies are running which is you know uh, different social advocates for the event online or comment etc and is a vendor going to turn around and instead of paying i don't know 230 pounds for lanyards to give a gift out to somebody else and then do a reveal with it or you know the creativity that's going to burst uh, over the next two to three years is going to be incredible and we're going to come up with new ways as we always do um to you know kind of monetize all of this one thing i am certain is that what the tech channel need right now is there are vendors that are looking to take their business forward and custom and msps more than ever have customers that they need to serve and those customers that the MSP needs to serve are following into, falling into two categories generally. The ones that are really under pressure because of the impact of COVID and they can't grow their business and, and you know, they're really being hit hard, maybe like restaurants and pubs and bars and the leisure industry, as we know. But people that have got businesses online and people that have got businesses that are, you know, B2B, those companies are growing and they've got stresses and strains. So, it's a case of connecting opportunity together is what we need vendors to do is come up with creative solutions that fix the problem for the business owners. And they need to take that as a toolkit in a box to MSPs to allow them. So for example, Rick, you and I know, we talked uh, earlier on this week, didn't we, about you know cybersecurity and the explosion that's happened right now with people because they're working from home being hit. There's never been bigger opportunity to sell cybersecurity than right now. Yeah. And I see few people helping. Yeah. Few people helping. The opportunities are there. The opportunities are definitely yeah. there. Uh, we're going to keep going with the live questions. Here's a, yeah. a good question. It's a techie question, Ben. I'm going to turn to you. Um, uh, and it's to do with live streaming events. Uh, Daniel Robinson says, with many live streams having a delay, 
how will we keep large events as live as possible so people don't miss out? So you don't want to be in the situation where an attendee missed out on a Q&A because their stream has a five-minute delay. So I guess to paraphrase, how can we make sure that live events are live? Yeah, um, so the delay isn't actually uh, that long. Um, so so this, is, this stream here has probably got about a three to five second delay on it, um, which, which isn't that long. So if you wanted to pose a question, um, that, that still gets caught up in, in the same time frame that the questions are being asked for. Um, so that wouldn't be a problem. Uh, but going back to the hybrid side, um, when there's a physical venue, you can live stream with the, the real stage um, and the actual lighting, real people on the stage um, with screens behind. Um, but you can, you can live stream that then onto the platform. Um, and again, you can do questions like that onto the floor as well. So even if you're sat at home um, attending the event or if you're in person attending the event, you'll still be able to get involved with Q&A sessions and panel sessions if, if you want to as well. Wonderful. Phil, I think I know your answer to this question, but I'll ask you both. Uh, Robert Gibbons asks, when doing a live video, do you prefer to be sat down or stood up? So Phil, you know, I'll turn to you first of all. I know your answer. So you know my answer, which is why I'm, I'm stood up. So I'm a very animated person. Um, and so I'm a person, you know, 86% of communication is body language. And so with me, I flame my arms around. So when on most live streams that I do, um, I'm, I'm standing up. But as you can see, Ben is sitting down. <laughs> yeah, Robert, I'm sat down as well. The reason being, I actually use a standing sitting desk uh, most of the time. But I found when I'm on camera... Um, I just get carried away in the moment and I'm bouncing around all over the place and it doesn't make for very good uh, uh, video. So I'm actually uh, sat down at the moment. So, um, Right, I think I'm looking at the time. You've both given super generously of your time today. Thanks so much. I think we've got time um, uh, for one last question. So if you're watching live, if you've got any burning questions, uh, uh, send them in now. We've got a follow-up question, actually, uh, Phil, if I'll turn to you as your, your futurist uh, uh, hat on uh, to do with the idea of virtual networking uh, avatars um, and so Chris asked the question <laughs> how do you know who other people are when using avatars because not everyone has an avatar that actually looks like them <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, was it Chris that asked that question? Chris asked that question, yeah. Uh, okay, so um, Futurist Phil predicts the death of the Avatar. Oh, tell us uh, and, and the reason I uh, predict that is because we're going to be in a hybrid world, we're going to want to be able to identify people. So, you, you know, if I've got a Viking hat on because that's my Avatar, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to attend a... a a event in central London with my Viking hat on, unless, of course, I'm attending a Norse-like uh, event that calls for me to do that. Um, so I think a lot of us, you, you know, we know from social um, and what you've done with work on headshots, Rick, um, we are all having to move to have uh, professional photographs done, um, you, you know, get professional headshots done in order to move our businesses forward. And I think what we are going to see is for our online personas, uh, that is going to come in uh, into play too. I mean, and the reason I'm saying that is because people despise bots and they despise avatars. I, I, I want to know I'm talking to Richard Tubb if I'm speaking to Richard Tubb online, right? I don't want to speak to Richard Tubb's bot. 
So I think it's that pressure or that tension as we go hybrid is going to come to the fore and you're going to see lots more people that will be a lot, lot more comfortable to when they're putting on their profile for the hybrid event that they will just put their regular, you know, lovely picture of them uh, up onto the event. So I think avatars will die. Cool. You heard it here first. <laughs> the great thing about those futurist comments, of course, if if you're right, people will quote you on that and say, well, right. you did it. If avatars are still around in 20 years, nobody's ever going to recall and say Phil said they would die. So, Or they will stay in cybersecurity <laughs> and they will stay in gaming. That's a fact. <laughs> Okay, then. Uh, Well, Ben, Phil, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, everybody, for joining live. We've had so many wonderful pieces of feedback. Fiona says, great show, guys. Love the setup, Ben. Uh, Mike says, thanks very much. Simon says, just want to say thanks, guys. Daniel, interesting discussion. We've got so many really, really positive feedback. So uh, thanks so much. Before we go, I think we've got time for one last question. And I'm going to put you both on the spot here, as I love doing. (laughs) Phil, I'll turn to you first. What's the one question you feel I should have asked you today that I haven't? Uh, So I think the one question that we could have asked is, how can we help MSPs grow their businesses? And I think the way we could grow their businesses is to help them understand that they can help their small business owners by introducing them to all this wonderful new technology. So, you know, Teams and Zoom, everyone is using this now. So, for example, why can't you, as an MSP owner, you're, I don't know, an MSP in Liverpool, why can't you organize a hybrid event? Do a virtual event right now, do an expo, go to your firm of solicitors, go to your accountant, go to everybody that you've got in your supply chain and say, hey, I want to help. I want to help by putting it together and, and put together a hybrid event online. And I think that's a really good question that I think lots of MSPs aren't asking themselves because they're waiting for things to go back to normal. Don't wait. Think and come up with ideas of how you can help your customers in a new and a dynamic way. Fantastic. Ben, I'll turn to you. What's the one thing you wished I had asked you that I haven't? Um, thinking about it now is the question, how much does it cost? Um, yeah. so this will be run into a lot of people's um, <laughs> heads at the moment. How much does this platform cost? Uh, but really in, in relation to a physical event, the online platform is really a lot cheaper than, than a physical event. And it's a lot easier for your attendees. Um, so you don't have to have the venue costs. Um, you don't need the, the production costs and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but you're getting this global reach. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I, I, not, I, not as expensive as you think. <laughs> because this, conversa- this entire conversation was born out of the fact that I've had so many MSP vendors ask me in the past two, three weeks, um, we need help with virtual experiences, virtual conferences. What can you recommend? I said, well, I'm not the expert in here. Let me point you towards somebody who is the expert. So thanks so much, guys, for joining uh, today. Phil, as always, you've given some great insights into what the future uh, should look like. Uh, ben, you're absolutely the experts, as I think, yeah. uh, in live events, as I think today's event has proven. I've just rocked up, talked to you two, and everything has just 
worked and that's exactly what people want from live streaming events so yeah. thanks so much uh, just before we go if anybody wants to continue the conversation if perhaps we've missed any of the questions that they've asked online how can people find you online where's the best place to continue the conversation ben if i turn to you first of all yeah so i'm on uh, linkedin uh, you'll find me as ben hardin um, or you can find me through freshproductions.co.uk um, drop a message in there and, and one of us will get back to you on that. Cool. Phil, you're not a hard man to find online, but where do you want people to uh, come and continue the conversation with you? Just search for Philip Morgan online. I'm blessed to have a, a Welsh spelt first name. Uh, so just hit me on Google, Philip Morgan. I'm the first person that, uh, that hops up there. Just pick a channel that you're happy with and I'll respond to you. Wonderful. Well, thank you both again for joining today. Really, really appreciate it. This has been a whole lot of fun. Thanks for everybody who has uh, dialed in. Shows how old-fashioned I am. I've just said thanks for everybody who's dialed in. <laughs> straight out of the 1980s with that quote. Thanks for everybody who's joined and asked questions on the live stream. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, this episode, uh, this uh, entire recording has been recorded for the Tub Talk podcast which goes out every Sunday evening uh, for the IT industry for managed service providers. This episode will go live uh, there on a Sunday as well. Uh, so that concludes today's uh, session. Thanks all for joining and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next Tub Talk. Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tublog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. Hey team, this is Richard again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is MSP Insights. Now, every Tuesday, I share my thoughts on the business of IT with you, the managed service community. Thousands of managed service providers already subscribe to MSP Insights. It's easy to sign up, easy to cancel. MSP Insights is basically a short email from me every Tuesday without fail with advice on growing your IT business, plus cool resources I found, discovered, or started exploring that week. It's kind of like my diary of cool things and often includes articles or books I've read, tools I've discovered and events I think you'd be interested in, often sent to me by my friends and Tub Talk podcast guests. So if that sounds fun, a short tiny bite of MSP goodness every Tuesday and you'd like to try it out, just go to go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. That's gogo.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.